Our scripture today comes to us from John chapter 20, and out of reverence for God and the gospel word, I invite you to stand as you are able. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I'm so grateful to Pastor Andrew for our scripture reading, and I want to echo his thanks just for the wonderful music today. Uh, It is a joy to just be able to continue our Easter celebration together, so I am indeed grateful. It's always honestly a little strange to be back in here after Easter Sunday, isn't it? Uh, Part of that's just because there were 800 people here last Sunday, and uh, there's not 800 people here this Sunday. Uh, But another part of it is, I mean, Easter happened, right? I mean, that's the whole shebang. Christ was born, Christ dies, Christ is resurrected. That's the climax of God's salvation story. God with us, proving God's power over sin and death, rescuing God's people and redeeming them. I mean, all through Lent, we saw that the story was leading up to this moment. God has worked through this chosen people of Israel and they were delivered from slavery by God and they became their own nation and awaited the arrival of this Messiah named Jesus. And then on the day of Easter, we reached that awaited rescue. Jesus saved us on the cross and in resurrection, he defeated death. I mean, what else is there, right? I should look behind me and the credits should be rolling. We should all be going home happy now. Stories typically have a certain shape. There's a conflict that's introduced and struggles ensue and it builds up and builds up until the climax of the story. There's a resolution and then it quickly resolves and then it's the end of the story. But what we learn is that God's story of salvation is shaped a little differently. What's usually at the end of the story happens in the middle it reminds me a little bit of the structure of the movie Castaway. Has anyone here ever seen Castaway with Tom Hanks? That's a good, good amount of hands in here. That makes me happy. Um, well, Tom Hanks plays this average, everyday businessman in the movie who suddenly, one day, is just in this plane crash, and he's the sole survivor on this deserted island. And so the whole movie, you're just watching him on this island, and he's learning how to make shelter and hunt fish, and he gets isolated and starts talking to a volleyball for comfort which is a little strange, Uh, but you watch him try again and again to get off this island and you're rooting for him. And he keeps building this raft and the waves always bring him back in until finally one day he beats the waves and he makes it out there and this big freighter picks him up and brings him back to civilization. And so you're getting up out of your seat and you're thinking, what a great movie, I'm glad he made it, that's awesome. But then the movie just keeps going 
There's a whole other hour after that moment of rescue. The credits don't roll, and instead, the survivor returns home to this messy, uncertain life where he has to figure things out all over again. It's been years since he was home. (laughs) The story doesn't end with his rescue. It ends with his changed life. One that is human, it's messy, it's complicated, but ultimately, it's beautiful. And in Castaway, the climax of the story happens in the middle, and then there's a whole second act. And that's kind of how the Easter moment is for us. Easter is like us getting rescued off that island. The climax of God's salvation story, resolution and rescue, it all happens in the middle, and then there's a whole second act that we're a part of. Our scripture passage today jumps in right as that turn is taking place. Just earlier this same day, Mary Magdalene has had an encounter with the risen Jesus in the garden. We heard that last Sunday on Easter Sunday. And Jesus calls her by name and tells her, go and tell the other disciples that Christ has risen. And she runs off urgently to tell them. She tells them everything. But evidently, they didn't believe her. Because where do we find them today? Why, they're all sitting in a room with the doors locked, afraid of the people that just crucified Jesus. Now, thankfully, Jesus appears to the disciples in this moment and speaks those words to them that we just shared with one another. Peace be with you. And there's this moment of shocked silence before the room positively ignites. It is true. You're here, Jesus. It really is. You look. You have the holes in your hand and your side. This is unbelievable, and they are filled with joy. And I'm sure in that moment they expected to be swept away. They wanted to turn around and see the credits rolling and the words appear on the screen, and they lived happily ever after. (laughs) But instead, Jesus does something that they didn't expect. He speaks again and says, peace be with you. And then he says, now as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And a moment happens that will change the course of Christianity forever. Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit on them, and their belief becomes different than ever before. They are sent out with the authority of Christ to spread the good news. Not just to be rescued, but to be a part of God's rescue. The disciples are given that authority. They are commissioned, authorized to do the work of Christ in the world. And everyone had been overjoyed, but now they're just anxious and confused. (laughs) Because like us, this this is not how they thought the story would end. The credits aren't rolling. (laughs) Instead, this is where the salvation story shifts. Instead of the story ending, now it looks like following Jesus a different way. They're no longer following the physical man Jesus where he walks, but instead, they're following something called the Holy Spirit. The gospel through the Holy Spirit will be conveyed through them. Just as the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I send you. It's a new covenant between God and us. A covenant where the disciples are commissioned and given the authority to be a part of Christ's body for the world. And by the way, that's kind of a wild agreement to make if you think about it. That is a reckless, unsafe thing for God to do. As followers of Jesus, we are now going to be the ones that bring the good news. That's us. The disciples there in that room and the disciples in this room now. 
The Holy Spirit working within us makes us the sharers of God's rescue in the world. And man, if we're being honest, that is a frightening thing. And it's frightening in a couple different ways. It's frightening because I don't know what to do with that responsibility sometimes. It makes me anxious. But it's also a frightening idea in general. It seems like God is gambling everything on human beings. Which I don't mean to question God's judgment on this, but I mean, have you seen us? <laughs> have you seen human beings? I mean, sure, we have some good moments that shine through, but to bet everything on the witness that we are going to give? To choose us as partners in saving the world instead of just doing things your own way, God? I mean, come on. That's a crazy decision to make. But that's exactly what God does. And God is absolutely sure about that choice. God sees something in us that we sometimes don't. And because God believes in us, God pours out his Holy Spirit on us so that we, as his disciples, are to be perfected in love and sent out just as Jesus was sent out. Last year at my previous church, the members of our youth group every year put on a youth play. And the play they put on last year you might know it. It's C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a wonderful story, and most of y'all are probably somewhat familiar with it. There's four siblings, these children, that wander into this magical land called Narnia, where an evil witch has ruled over the land, and she has made it forever frigid winter. Everything is gray. There's not much life. But opposing her is this Christ figure in the story, this great lion named Aslan. And every scene with Aslan in it is the scene where you can feel Aslan's wisdom and power and authority. Everywhere he walks, the snow melts behind him and flowers and trees grow. Every time he roars, the earth's foundations shake. Aslan seems fully capable at any moment of saving all of Narnia on his own. But there's this pivotal scene in the play where the captain of the witch's secret police, who's this fearsome wolf, he shows up and he starts advancing on the children and their friends and he's snarling and growling and baring his claws. But Aslan is with them. So everyone feels safe. They, they all turn to Aslan and say, Aslan, you'll protect us, won't you? <laughs> and Aslan in, this, in his deep voice says, no. Then he says, but Peter will. And Peter, who's the oldest of these siblings, is obviously afraid and nervous, but he draws his sword with shaky knees and sweaty palms, and he attempts to defend everyone from this wolf. And they exchange blows, they duck and dodge, and Peter actually defeats the wolf and sends him off running wounded. And everyone in the story is so shocked that this could happen, except for Aslan. This is the part in the story where Peter is no longer passive in the act of saving Narnia. Aslan has made him a partner in the land's salvation. And this moment of bravery ultimately marks the first step in Peter's journey to eventually become one of the true kings of Narnia by the end of the story. But I love that moment where Peter and the others look in shock to Aslan as he says, I will not protect you, but Peter will. That feeling of stunning realization must be what the disciples felt like in this moment after being commissioned. Us, Jesus? Really? You're going to give us this authority? Don't you remember all the times that we got it wrong? 
Don't you remember that one of us denied you three times just a few days ago? Or that one of us is hated as a tax collector? Or that we all collectively decided that the best course of action was to hide in a room? (laughs) And Christ makes them partners in the salvation story anyway. Just as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus isn't just speaking to the people in that room when he says this. He's speaking to us, too. In the United Methodist Church, our our baptismal covenant reminds us of this same wild new direction that God is taking. Here are the first words of that liturgy. It says, brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation. Incorporated. Notice the wording there. The liturgy doesn't just say we receive God's salvation. It's not just a passive process. We are brought into the action itself. God chooses to send us as part of making that salvation a reality. This is the new covenant. God rescues us and then God empowers us to be part of the rescuing. And today, my hope for me and for all of us here is that we can accept and renew that calling. To be rescued and then to walk with the Spirit as partners in God's saving story for the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.